Welcome, my lords, to the White City, where you will learn more about Middle-earth and discover differences and similarities between the Rings of Power show and Tolkien's books, and whether Amazon's show, episode by episode, is worth watching. I'm Philip Dutt, your host, and I'll be joined by Matt Vandervoort. I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, today we're going to be talking about storytelling, how Tolkien's storytelling well is pretty awesome. I think that's definitely the best, one of the best parts of his books. And um, also thinking about how uh, the Rings of Power in a big way um, kind of failed because of its poor storytelling in some degrees. Um, so thinking about that and thinking about how like storytelling today um, could be improved um, just thinking about how uh, Tolkien told his stories. Um, and I guess like one way, like Tolkien had very good writing. Um, so I think just, you know, as far as his books are concerned, um, that is one thing that uh, probably made them popular. Um, I think a lot of other stories that are kind of going off of Tolkien, like the Aragon books, for instance, they're, they're fun, written for, like, teenagers, but um, their writing quality isn't the, isn't the greatest. Um, but... Uh, Admittedly, it's pretty yeah. good for a 19-year-old, the first book. That's like, true. Wrote it at 19, but... I did like, I did like that, that stuff back <laughs> then. I um, only read the first couple. We got um, all of them like when we started uh, reading them, me and my older brother, um, it was about the time that we finished like the second book that he came out with the third one. Oh. And then okay. he came out with the fourth one, so like we just kind of like kept going. I read the first one in a day. Really? And then I read the second. Yeah. And then I read the second one. Well, okay, it wasn't technically a day because I did take a break because my mom made me take a break, but I had like two chapters left. Um, yeah. So I could have done it fully in a day, but it was yeah, it was really good. And then that's uh, crazy. I, I read the the second one like a couple years later, and then I haven't read any of them since then. Uh, yeah. This is a this is a total tangent and not related to Tolkien at all. But the one thing I do have against those books is that it's just the plot of Star Wars. Like that's a, so many people you have said. The first, yeah, the, like, it's good, because I love Star Wars, and I love fantasy, which means Star Wars is space fantasy, but, uh, so it's like, it's a fun read, but it is, it's not entirely original. Although, most, most, uh, most writing is not fully original. In fact, most fully original stories aren't very good. Um, there's a lot, <laughs> the best writers pull from other people and I think Tolkien like well no, he definitely pulled from other people because you know there are stories about rings going back to like the Norse and ancient Greece um and uh he stole a bunch of dwarf names from the Norse a lot, a lot of this was from the Norse um but 
he did a very good job of weaving it into its own epic tale that you don't really get in the same like it's very accessible now versus like the older stories which were much more like nobody very few people are sitting down and like reading the ring of the nibelung or anything and tolkien put it into his own world with his own mythos um and his own creatures like like hobbits and ants and uh, a very particular interpretation of elves uh and it's just very interesting it's it, he does a very good job of as i think all the best authors do of taking pre-existing elements and uh like refreshing them and re uh presenting them i guess would be the best way of putting it um yeah. Like, he was trying to write epic poetry, so he was going in that tradition. Yeah. It is interesting to, that you bring up that, because kind of in my mind, at least at first, you think about um, the uh, Lord of the Rings as being, like, very unique and kind of... Um, oh, yeah. Its own its own thing. Oh, um, it is. But it's, it is, yeah. but it isn't. Yeah, so yeah. You, yeah, just... But you think then about how all these different fantasy stories have kind of copied off of Tolkien, you know, at this point. Yeah. It's been like, guys, can't you get your stuff from somewhere else? But um, Yeah, anyways. I think we're getting to a point where people are getting a little tired of Tolkien-esque fantasy stories. So in college, I took a class on fantasy literature. And, like, before Tolkien, fantasy literature is, like, fairy tales. And it's, like, very lighthearted but slightly sinister, like, the faith. Like, the Fae, the Fair Folk, are all like, oh, happy-go-lucky, wild trickster people, and if you cross us, you will have thousands of years of bad luck heaped upon your family, because we are all powerful or something. Um, and then Tolkien comes along and writes his own world and his own style of fantasy that's like epic fantasy, basically. And that's what it is. It's fantasy written as an epic poem, pretty much. Um... And that's where you start to get things like Dungeons and Dragons and uh, Aragon and well, Aragon comes much later. Um, and really, it's like I think actually Dungeons and Dragons has had a bigger direct impact on most people's perception of fantasy because that's how a lot of people have interacted with fantasy. But Dungeons and Dragons is heavily inspired by Tolkien, like to the extent that in the first edition of Dungeons and Dragons you had hobbits and Balrogs and Ents, and then they got sued by the Tolkien estate, and so now you have halflings and Baylors, I think, and pit fiends, which are the other, like the other version of Balrogs, and then uh, treants, which are like these very specific D and D interpretations of Tolkien's stories. The other big one, for Tolkien, the elves are immortal. You know, they live forever unless they're killed. Whereas most modern fantasy tropes have elves just being like very long-lived, but still immortal. So you see this in everything from uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, to the Elder Scrolls, to uh, pretty much most modern fantasy stories. So it's fascinating. 
um, again, like another one is like orcs and goblins being different creatures. Like in Tolkien's world, they're the same creature. And in fact, Tolkien's idea of an orc is basically our idea of a goblin. And Tolkien's idea of a, like the Urukai is what most people think of as orcs nowadays. And it's because, and I think this is true of a lot of things, but I think this is a really good example of it. Like somebody has the idea and they have the specific world that they create. And then it gets standardized slightly differently. Still recognizable, but it like sort of becomes a different... It, it gets filtered through other people. And then, and then that's the standard version of it. Um, and of course, you have a lot of those things going through. Then you have the Peter Jackson movies that standardize a lot of things. Like, uh, you know, Scottish dwarves, for some reason. Um, even though they should be Vikings, but they're just Scottish. Um, well, Scottish people rated. But it's just like, you have things like that, that now, like, any time you do a dwarf, like any pop culture dwarf is going to sound Scottish or maybe Irish. Any sort of halfling is going to sound Irish. Uh, or like vaguely British, like low-class British, sort of. You get uh, the elves are all British, the orcs are all cockney. Um, it's just like they're these tropes that we've sort of solidified over time. Uh, and it's just really fascinating to me. Um, I played a lot of, I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, and so a lot of these tropes are really interesting because they are so clearly derived from Tolkien. Like, you can get cursed rings and magical rings and their halflings and elves and, like, the standard lineup is, like, like, there's, like, an old school of D&D that, like, no, you can only play races that are found in Tolkien. Uh, and then there's also, because, like, in modern 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, there's, like, 40-something playable races. Um, maybe it, it might even be up to, like, 60 now. I don't know. It's a lot. Um, but, so you have these sort of tropes that are recognizable fantasy tropes, but, like, different now. And, but they're still, like, Tolkien is at the basis of them, the baseline of them. Like, elves are not these short little tinker people that, like, now we would call gnomes. Like, uh, like the elves that you see, the, the biggest example of that that we have to this day is Santa's elves. Is like, that's what an elf was before Tolkien. And then he turned them into these, like, otherworldly mystical beings. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> that's an interesting idea. Like, he's bringing them back in a lot of ways. He's getting these ideas from Norse myth, but he's bringing back older versions of them. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people could stand to do with storytelling these days is looking back to older stories and bringing them back into Vogue. I mean, like, you gotta be good at writing to pull it off. You gotta, like, a lot of things that he does you can't do if you're not as good at storytelling. Um, because an epic an epic story told by a bad storyteller is a just a long, boring story. Um, <laughs> But if you're an engaging storyteller, you can make even the least interesting story captivating. So, 
um, it's really important, I think, to look at how Tolkien was writing and what he was writing, because he was writing epic poetry. So if you're going into it like, oh, I really want to watch these characters develop and stuff, it's like, there's some of that there. But, like, it's pretty much just the, st the characters are pretty static. Like, obviously they're not fully static or else it'd be really boring. But, like, uh, Aragorn, especially in the books, like, he's sort of hesitant to become king, but, like, pretty much the whole time he's like, yeah, I'm going to go become king eventually. Um, Sam is, like, stalwart through the whole thing. Even Gollum, who, like, looks like he's going to have a ch character arc, just doesn't. Like, <laughs> like... He has this character arc where it's like you think he's going to be good and you think he's finally going to redeem himself and then in the end he redeems himself by not redeeming himself. Like <laughs> he reverts back to Gollum and jumps on Frodo and steals the ring. And so and I think that so many stories these days are character driven to the extent that we don't think non-character driven stories are good because we're like, oh, these characters are flat and boring. Well, it's just like, it's more about the world, or it's more about the themes, or it's more about the languages, or whatever, than it is about, like, like, Frodo. Like, not gonna lie, I like Frodo, but he's not, like, super interesting to read, in my opinion. Even uh, in the movies, like, you kind of yeah, want like, the next scene to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, when I was sick... And I was re-watching the Lord of the Rings movies like the second time. I just skipped all the Frodo stuff. I was just like, I don't care about this. I wanna watch I wanna watch Aragorn be cool. Um And I think that's a little because again, and I think for the movies especially, like Frodo doesn't work as well on screen just because it's such it's such like a philosophical internal part of the story like it's it's way more about Frodo struggling with this burden and it's just like it's a whole lot of walking and that's not interesting in a movie um, whereas the other people are like you know fighting orcs and epic cities and big sword fights and it's just like okay that's fun to watch so yeah, I get I... why you'd focus more on that and why like they added they added in more Faramir stuff, I believe. I don't really like what they did with Faramir's character in the movie. They made him a little bit more like Boromir 2, when instead he's just like this all-around upright noble dude. But um, I can understand why, because they were trying to make it a little bit more character-driven. Like, Aragorn in the movie is like, I don't want to be king. <laughs> and... Elrond is just like, dude, if you want to marry my daughter, you got to man up and be king. And he's like, fine, I'll do it. And then he goes and is awesome. Um, uh, but it's just it's just a whole different vibe, I think. Um, but it's, it's a good vibe. And, like, so transitioning to, like, the show, the show was interesting because it was it was a character-driven story in a non-character-driven world. Like, like, there are epic characters in The Lord of the Rings that do things that affect the world. And we met several of them. But it's like, they do, like, three things in Tolkien's work. They, they are, like, pointed out for doing, like, three things. And this show was like, we gotta show their entire lives. And it's just like, it's just not that. 
and you're missing the point. And it's not something I think... I, I mean, I enjoyed the show because I, I am pretty easy to please when it comes to television shows. But I think that having the show be the way it is, it's at a point in the story where uh, there's just not much happening. Like, there's a lot happening over the course of, like, 500 years, but they're trying to condense that in down into, like, a decade. And so they're trying to focus on the characters when the focus should be on the events. Um, and if you want to show characters, show new characters, which they have done, to be fair. Um, but I don't think people care about the new characters because they're not, because they're new characters that they don't have any emotional connection with. Honestly, the, uh, <laughs> if I had been in charge of the show, I just would have been like, let's just make a new show. Like, you're not going to spend as much money on it as they did, but it's just like, if you want to write a character-driven fantasy story, you can. That's really easy. Like, not really easy, but, like, you can do it. I think Game of Thrones really showed that because it's, like, super character-driven. That's to my understanding. I have not seen the show. Um, I sort of want to, but I don't want to watch it now because it's really bad, and I've just followed along. But, like, I know in the books, it's written, like, each chapter is written from a specific character's perspective. So it's, like, it's incredibly character-driven because you're seeing it through the eyes of the characters. Um, and you're seeing the world through the eyes of the characters. Whereas with Tolkien, it's like you're being told about this. Like, it's a history book. Did you ever, uh, like, hear about, uh, like, the yeah. uh, in the Hunger Games? It's all from, like, the... Like, first person present. Like, okay. it's really weird. Yeah. It's all about, yeah. like, Katniss. Like, and I went, or, and as I walked this way, or I don't know. Yeah. I've never actually read it, but anyways. Yeah, I haven't either. I need to. I My mom didn't let me read it when they came out, which I was a little mad about because they were really popular in school. But, yeah. um, yeah, I know with Game of Thrones, with, sorry to give it the proper title, A Song of Ice and Fire. Um, which, first of all, like, the first book in the series is A Game of Thrones. But, like, A Song of Ice and Fire, props to Martin. That is an awesome title for a for a fantasy series. Like, they should have, that should have been the name of the TV show because it's just awesome. Uh, anyways, uh, I don't like a ton of Martin's stuff, but... I gotta give him props for that. That's pretty cool. Like, there's things I disagree with, that with him on, but naming of his shows, or of his books, is not one of them. They're all pretty epically named. Um, but, yeah, so the books are all written character perspective-wise, whereas Tolkien's books are all written, like, as a story being relayed, basically. Uh, you do get some character thoughts every now and then think. It's been a while since I've read the books. But, um, it's mostly, like, it's interspersed with songs, and it's, like, the events that happened as they happened, the in-universe explanation for the book is that it is a book in the universe. So, we have this idea, like, so it's, it's presented as an accounting of an event rather than, like, 
Frodo's journey to destroy the ring. And so that's why you have, like, like in the news, we don't follow... It's just, I mean, you follow individuals, but it's not like, well, let's see what, like, I don't know, the Speaker of the House's day was like today. It's like, that's not what people are interested in, so. Yeah, no, it's... Good storytelling is hard to come by. Thanks for visiting the White City. Before you leave, please subscribe to our podcast and check us out at thewhitecitypodcast.com. Consider supporting my movement on Facebook, keeping the rings of power pure.